Well, we are in week number two of our series, Life, Money, and Hope. You want to pull out your message notes, this would be a great, great time. I thought today I would start off with a story uh, from Boudreaux. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Boudreaux and Thibodeau, uh, good Cajuns. Uh, Boudreaux was called into the bank. I read this, thought it was, this was great, especially talking about money. So he's called into the bank to discuss his bank accounts and all of his financial assets with the banker. And uh, his banker says, you, you know, Boudreaux, you're in terrible shape. The banker said, yeah, your checking accounts are all way overdrawn. Loans are overdue. Boudreaux said, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my wife. It's Marie. She's out of control. The banker said, Boudreaux, well, why do you allow your wife to spend more than you make? Boudreaux takes a deep sigh, because I'd rather argue with you than her. <laughs> All the men said, Amen. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Someone's just getting it over there. They, uh, come on, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. It's our theme verse. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Think about people who want to get rich. Now, I know so much, and you keep the passage or scripture up there. A lot of people would say, well, I, yeah, you know, that, that's not really me. I don't want to get rich. I just want to have a good life, a good life, a good life. And there's more. It's, yeah, I think everybody can get sucked into this American dream. How, you know, how many know the American dream is not God's dream? Do you realize that? I mean, I know we symbolically look at America as God's nation, and we are, and our dollar says, in God we trust. Um, but, you know, we've gotten away from the Judeo-Christian principles that we uh, adhered to when we founded this country, and it's so easy to equate the American dream with God's dream, and they're nothing alike. The American dream is, you know, the white picket fence, the nice house and all the nice things. And I'm not against it. Listen, I got a nice house, got a nice car, got nice things. But the question is, do you have those things or do those things have you? Are you content with where God has you? Look, I'm not even talking about success. Look, I'm not content in the fact of, I, I want to make more money. You know, I, I have Phyllis and I, we do outside investments. We got real estate. Um, but my money is, God, I want you to use it to advance your kingdom. You know, there's nothing greater than writing a check from money that God helped you make. Uh, nothing greater than investing in people because you've got resources. And people, I, I don't want you to misunderstand what we're saying here either because the next passage, you say, that's right, pastor. You shouldn't love money. No, you shouldn't. But you shouldn't hate money either. Like, come on, I'm not saying we want to be rich or poor. I just want to be whatever God wants me to be. I want to be blessed. And Paul said, sometimes that's when I got a lot. Sometimes that's when I got little. Learn to be content. It's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money. They have, can you think about this? Think about this one statement. He doesn't say this about anything else in the Bible, but he talks very sternly right here. For some, eager for money, 
have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Think about that, the thing that has caused people to wander from their faith. Wander. He, he, he says, just kind of didn't mean to, but you drift. And that's why you got to stay planted in the house that brings us back to an alignment with what God says. Because how many know it's easy to drift? Can, can I tell you, we live in a commercialized society where it's all about me and what I want and I, that's why you got to be grounded in a church that says it ain't about us. It's all about God. It's not about being a consumer, but a contributor. It's not about us having the latest, greatest. It's about God. We're advancing your kingdom. So it's important to say, God, help me have the right perspective. And, and even if you have money or if you don't have money, we can still have the right perspective. And I know as a church, we pastor so, so much of a diverse church. Some would say I'm poor. Some would say I'm rich. And it's everything in between. But I want you to know, regardless of where you're at, there's hope. Well, pastor, I need hope when I'm rich. Absolutely. If you don't have Jesus when you're rich, they're some of the worst, most miserable people you'll ever meet. Hopeless, depressed. Why? Because they've climbed to the top of the ladder only to realize it's leaning against the wrong thing. Then those that are broke, you know, it's like, well, if I had that, that would make me happy. No, it wouldn't. There's only one place where you get joy, and that's from Jesus. And so all the other is a mirage. It's this, this lie, this pseudo life of happiness and fulfillment and stuff. No, it comes in Jesus and thankful for the other stuff. But that other stuff doesn't bring me happiness and fulfillment like the world promises. That's why everybody's always wanting more. You know, that's why iPhone came out with an iPhone 32. And what was it on 13 for real? It's like, wait, wait, wasn't the last one good enough? Yeah, but you need one more thing. The more, the more, the more. So the Bible is very clear about money. There's a great blueprint that it tells us that we're to live our life by. And so this series is my attempt to help us really pull out the blueprint when it comes to resources and money, and that we would have hope in God's word and live this life according to the way he designed us to live this life. And when you talk about money, and we talked about it last week, there's really five areas of focus that a financial planner will talk about um, as they educate us in money and in spending. The first one is earnings. Your ability to bring in money is whether you make money at a job or you own your own business, it's money coming in. Uh, spending uh, is another way, uh, the area that they'll talk about, and that's, that's where, where you invest or you spend your money, whether you're frugally, wisely, or foolishly. Um, you know, so many people just spend wherever. And uh, depending on how you spend leads to the third thing, which is savings. Um, that I'm not going to spend everything uh, that comes in, but I want to have margin. I want to have savings. And Dave Ramsey talks about this, making sure you've got an emergency fund, a $1,000 emergency fund, and then three months of your expenses in a savings account. That's wise. And then once you start to have some savings, let me know, now we go into investing. And investing's great. Uh, that's where you're not working for money, but your money's working for you. Uh, it's a lot of fun to start to have money to invest. And then, of course, the last thing is giving. And this is where we give to charities, nonprofits. Uh, these are places that are making a difference or a cause that we believe in. And it's interesting when you talk to financial planners that this is always last. It's like if you get this and that and do this and investments go well, you got to, now we can give. And God, he flips it all around, doesn't he? 
He's like, yeah, yeah, I know how the world does it, but there's a greater way, there's a higher way. And that's what Isaiah 55 verse 9 says. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so if we're going to live according to the way God designed us to live, I mean, we need to get God's ideas. God's thoughts, God's ways, and then we implement those in our life, and that's how we can begin to live the life he's called us to live. We don't have to live as victims. You know, when you, when you hadn't had a whole lot, when you came up poor, you know, sometimes it's a mentality of you're just looking for help, and, and, and we believe in helping, but we don't want to give handouts, we want to give hand-ups. Like, I want to not only give you fish, but I want to teach you to fish. You know, there's some things that we can learn, and I, I believe everybody has found yourself in a place of need at one point or another. I'll never forget when Phyllis and I, we, we were uh, business owners, we we're mid-20s, and I write about it in the book, um, very successful. Everybody always used to call us Ken and Barbie, and we had all the success you could look at in homes, and we had a restaurant and all the things, but our life was falling apart. Marriage was falling apart and chasing more money and just wasn't, wasn't working. And I talk in the book, and you, many of you have heard the day God saved us, February th- uh, 7, 2003. We were on drugs and partying, and then all of a sudden God saves us radically at 1230 at night, walks into the house. I had an open vision and kicked everybody out. God totally, totally changed our lives. But here's what's crazy. All this success of the business and all the things that seemed to be going right, and at that moment, the restaurant wasn't doing well. The Lord spoke to me, said, I want you to do four things. There were four things he spoke to me. We began to do them immediately. Business accelerated. There was a line out the door, Fridays and Saturdays, the most amazing thing ever. And then just about four months later, we lose everything. Doing what God spoke, how God spoke, didn't do anything wrong, but in a series of events, which eventually we got all reconciled, but in that moment, what happened to our life was life was turned upside down, and I'll never forget being in this place where we've got all these expenses that we need to pay, and yet we went from six figures to now I'm barely making $500 a week. I go to get three jobs, and I'll never forget the moment I'm sitting in my house. And I'm like, God, I am so broke. I don't have 10 cents to my name. Homes are being foreclosed on. Our cars, how many of you ever had your car almost? It's the only time in my life about to get them all re- repossessed, like three months. By. How many ever parked somewhere else because you knew somebody was looking for the car you was driving? I've been there. And you're like, oh, Lord, are they coming for the car today? And so I had 10 cents in my pocket. I'll never forget. I'm out of gas, and I'm literally praying, God, you're going to have to help me get to the Texas Roadhouse. I'm waiting tables uh, at night there and said, God, I need gas. God got me there. And then after that, made money that night. And I'm like, God, I have no idea how I'm going to pay the bills. And a man knocks on my door, puts $5,000 cash on the desk and said, you're going to pay all of your bills. You're going to pay your houses. You're going to catch them up. You're going to pay your cars. You're not going under. Didn't ask for anything, but God brought him to the house. So I'm telling you, I know what it's like to have much, and I know what it's like to be in need. And I know this, no matter where I find myself, my hope doesn't come from people or money. It comes from God himself. And I've got to have his perspective. 
That God, he's the one that got us out of that situation. So you may be here today feeling like you're in the same boat. Listen, if you will do what God is speaking to you, I promise you this. It took me 10 years to pay off all the debt. But I refused to file bankruptcy because I felt the Lord speak to me. I want to do it a different way. His way wasn't easy. It wasn't light. I'll never forget. I'm like, God, it's been 10 years. Can I buy a house? I had seven before. But you know what the journey did? It taught me how to manage what we have. And then look at us as a church. What God has done in this church is because of the journey of living my personal life the way God wanted me to live my personal life. See, some of you are asking God to bless your business because that's separate, but your life ain't lived the way God's asked you to live your life. You're managing your money one way and the business money another way. You're managing this. We compartmentalize ourselves. And God's really speaking, look, all the way across the board, I want you to follow my ways. They're higher. His ways work. Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You planted much, you've harvested little. How many have ever felt like you're doing a lot, but you're not getting a lot for what you're doing? You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse that has holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And that's what we've been doing. Last week, we talked about calling versus compensation. We don't just need money to live on. We need something to live for. We also talked about contentment versus consumerism. Contentment's not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. Today, we're going to hit the next three, the last ones. And, you know, as we're looking and comparing like earnings and spending, this one is savings. The, the world talks about savings in a way that, and God talks about it as well, but it's just a little bit different. And I want you to know, I advocate for savings. We all need to have a savings account. You need to have money in your savings account. The problem is when your savings becomes your security and not God. We, be, we need to make sure we're God dependent and not independent. People say, you know, I'm independently wealthy. wealthy. No, you're not. God gave you the grace. God gave you the power. God gave you the favor. God allowed you to have the resources and the connections and the, the intellect and the talent and the employees and the ability. And the moment we forget that, now we begin to say, well, my money gives me the safety and the security, not God. And we will fall into the same trap as the, Pro the writer of Proverbs says. Look in chapter 18, verse 11. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine what? That their wealth is a wall way too high to scale. So the more money I have, the higher the wall. The more security I have, I have more insulation from, from the economy, from people, from all the bad things that will happen. I want you to know that at any moment, your wealth could be gone. At any moment, your life situation can change. You can have money today and nothing tomorrow. The only thing that is secure is the God we serve and the God we trust. Money by itself can make you secure. But God on your side, that's what makes you secure. And maybe poor people understand this. Statistically, I don't know if you know this, but poor people are actually more generous than rich people. 
Uh, there's a study, the wealthiest Americans only donate about 1.3% of their income. The poorest American, about 3.2%. Maybe they understand Look, this wealth isn't going to secure me anyway. It's not enough. So they learn how to give and be generous and, and put their trust in God. And it's amazing how that the more money you have, the harder it is to give. You ever notice that? You start to, how many have ever, whenever you didn't have nothing and the Lord spoke to you to give it all, you're like, oh, I'll, I'll give it all away. It ain't a whole lot. And then God blesses you and you're like, my God, this thing works. And, and God, you do it again and it's, you keep getting blessed and maybe you started tithing and God is opening up the windows of heaven and you, you give to the legacy offering and you give to the moving forward, the building campaign. You give to someone in grocery in the line for groceries or, or over there giving gas in their car, whatever it is, the Lord speaks and you give and then we start to get comfortable we start to forget that this really doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And so we, we forget the fourth thing, which is stewardship versus ownership. That I got to be a steward. See, I, I understand that I've got savings and I've got some, some resources in my pockets, but the truth is, I don't have to just, I'm not investing my money, it's God's money. And so when I learn that, then it's like, okay, God, I'm going to be a steward over what I have, not an owner. And there is a totally different mindset and mentality when you're a steward versus an owner. Come on, how many know when you are borrowing someone else's stuff, you take care of it a little bit differently. Well, you, you're like, oh God, okay, hey, do you mind if I do this? And do you mind if I do that? You, you don't just go do whatever you want. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you. Can I tell you that the resources in our pocket, the things we have, everything that God has given to us, they're not ours, but they belong to him. God owns everything. I'm simply his manager. Look at Psalms 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's. Say again, the earth is the Lord's. And then look who he says, and everything. He didn't say some things. He didn't say this, the things in America. He didn't say the things we give to him. No, no, I want you to know whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, God owns everything. He can take anything he wants. He can do anything he wants. He created this heavens. He created the earth. He gave us breath in our lungs. He gave us the ability to think up how to build and design a chair, how to create a television, how to put lights up on the stage. He gave us the ability to do what we have been doing doing. He owns it all. And it says the world and all who live in uh, it. So here's a question. Are you living stolen or borrowed? Did you steal your life? Are you living borrowed? God, I, I'm a steward of what you've given me. Somebody had some cash on my own example. I, I didn't, Kevin, do you have any cash? You got a couple of dollars? How much you got? I want to, I want to show an example to everybody. I, you got a hundred? Okay, can you shoot? come see? Come on, give it up for Kevin. Woo! Yeah, you know. So you got a hundred bucks. Hey, do something for me. I want you to demonstrate uh, generosity. Can okay. we do that? Are you okay with that? Sure. It's your it's your money, right? Yeah. Can I? 
Can I have a dollar? Wait, wait, you got 20s? All 20s. Phyllis, you want to go to eat lunch? Huh? I think Steve wants to eat lunch. Him and Steph. Would you mind giving them some money? I mean, I know. Do you mind? Willingly. Come on, somebody. My goodness. Hey, is there anybody else, Kevin, who else should we... You got a hundred bucks. I, I just want to demonstrate what generosity looks like. Who wants some, how do you want to give it away? I'm going to let you choose. I mean, it's your money. <laughs> First friend, woo! Come on, somebody. Look, oh man, come on. I thought he was coming down for the money. I was like, oh man, come on. Who else? Hey, give the other one to Sharonda. Can you do that for me? I just want to bless Sharonda. Kevin, come see. How did that feel? I enjoyed that. <laughs> Was it a little difficult? Uh, yeah. So, so I know some of you were probably like, hey, this is kind of weird. But, but who gave you the money before the service? You did. Oh, I did. Oh. So y'all didn't know I did. And you're probably thinking, what? He's taking his $20. He's asking him to give it all away. So you got a perspective, but Kevin's got another perspective. He knows I gave him the money. So he came up here. And so when I asked you to give it away, was it hard? Not at all. Did you grieve like, <gasps> me and Ashley are not going to be able to eat? No, no. You're like, hey, it's your money. That's right. Yeah. So you're like, hey, you actually look like you were having fun I'm passing out my money. <laughs> Always, yeah, always fun when it's not yours. How often has God asked us to do something? Give that purse away. Hey, give that car away. Now, don't give a car away that's got a note on it, please. That ain't a blessing. That's a ball and chain. Hey, give, go buy them groceries. And you're like... <laughs> I can't buy the iPhone 13 now. And God's like, you forgot whose your money belongs to. Thank you, Kevin. Come on. I love you, man. <clears throat> I, so that's where what we realize is the tendency to feel frustrated. And God, how could you? I, I don't understand. You're asking me to give the last little bit. No, what he's trying to do is bless you, and you cannot reap a harvest when you have not sown. So he's trying to get you to put some seed in the ground so that he can provide for your future. And we're holding on to it because we're stingy and we're, we're selfish, and it's like, God, it's mine. No, it ain't yours. It's his. And he's trying to direct us in a way so he can bless you just as a father would. And look, I want you to know it's not just about what you give. Stewardship is not just about tithes and offerings. And stewardship is about what did you do with what you still have? So, you know, again, I live in a nice house. I got a nice car. We got nice things. And I love it. Man, it's awesome. Thank God for it. But I regularly am thinking, God, how can I use what I got to bless people? And so if you got a nice house, and even if you don't, if you live in a place, it's like, how are you inviting people to your house to make a difference in their life? Are you leveraging what you have for eternity? Have you hosted a small group? 
Are you inviting someone over for dinner? Have you asked people, hey, people, hey, come stay the night. Let's, let's, Phyllis has a friend that comes and stays the night, and, and we talk about Jesus, and, and it's been a great way to minister, so we're trying to leverage where we live so that God can be glorified. Hey, look, you got a car. How many of you can bring someone to church? Say, well, well, all my friends got cars. Yeah, but their kids don't. If you'll bring their kids, they'll eventually come. See, Phyllis, she's the queen at this, man. I'm not kidding. Sometimes y'all clowns, she may walk in late, but what you don't know is she got about 27 kids that she went and picked up for church. All my kids' friends. She'll have a car full of kids. Why? Because she's leveraging our vehicle to get these children whose parents don't go to church to church so they can experience Jesus. Look, go out to eat. I like a good steak. Just invite some couple to go with you that doesn't know Jesus. See, if you think about it in that way, it's like, God, how do I leverage what I have to advance your gospel? And it's not as hard as we think it is. But let me tell you this. The more trustworthy you are with the resources God's given you, God will bless you with more. He is looking for people that will do what he wants them to do with the resources that he's given them. I have found in my life, I've never been the richest because of making money, but I tend to be extremely blessed. And it's because I've learned this principle. God it ain't mine, it's yours. How many, I can't even tell you how many times I've wiped out my bank account and I'm like, oh Jesus, that's not wise in the world's eyes, but man, my God, that happens and then God does this. I, I, last year, Phyllis and I, just case in point, we were buying this building, gave more than we have ever given in our entire life in a single year, not even knowing how we would do it, and yet we were more blessed. I would almost feel guilty to tell you how blessed we've been. Think of all the things that God has done for us personally, spiritually, relationally, and I believe it all goes back to the obedience of my God. What I have is yours. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it, and God says, let me just keep blessing you and giving you more. Why? Because you got to understand, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress upon you God's word works. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth. So don't just make an investment here, the things of this world. Look, he says, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. So we live our life with eternity on our mind. How do I make an eternal investment? Here's what I would tell you. It's not whether or not you give to the poor and needy. The poor and needy you have with you always. Some people say, well, I just give wherever people ask. Well, that's a wrong mentality. I think just as God blesses those who are, who are uh, generous to, to those in need. Uh, he, he, he doesn't bless those who give to just anybody. Like the mistake, the fallacy is, oh, well, they got a need. I'm going to just bless them. Well, here's what I would ask you. Did God speak to you to bless them? Because you might not be blessing them. You might be enabling them. We got a lot of enablers. Well, they needed something. Yeah, but God was trying to teach them something and you just shortchanged their lesson. Now they got to go back around the mountain and God's like, you were just as foolish as the person that didn't give anything. So it's not just giving to anything and everything. It's giving to the right thing. 
which is one of the reasons even with our legacy offering. We'll do legacy offering second weekend in December. One of the things I always tell everybody is just ask God what you want me to do and whatever the Lord speaks to you, you do it. Well, think about that principle through life. God, do you want me to bless them? God, do you want me to give to them? You got some people just holy hinters or manipulators, or you can always tell a real sad story with a lot of emotion. And I love emotion, but I don't give out of compulsion. We make a decision, God, what do you want me to do? And then we do it. That's where we have to live in our life as a steward. It's both and not either or. Amen? Fifth and last thing. The principle of giving, the fifth area of what the world talks about, um, here's God's higher principle, generosity versus misery. Generosity versus misery. So, so, so a miser, does anybody know what a miser is? It's, a miser is a person that is stingy, they are selfish, Scrooge, you know, Scrooge-ish, it's a miser. It's where you get the word misery. I, I, I found this quote. I was looking up misers. You don't often hear that word, but look at what it says. Miserable people are the most generous people I know. They will give you their misery whether you want it or not. <laughs> Isn't that good? Misers have a distorted view of money. It's like what I have is mine and I may not get any more. Have you ever eaten from someone's pantry or someone's stingy, they're like, hey, come in. Every time you're doing something, you're like, ah, I seem to be bothering you. Just, they're, ah, I don't want to. Their, their view on money is it's all there is and they're going to hold on to it and they're going to, but what we know is whether rich or poor, the misunderstanding is that, you know, misers are only rich people. Only rich people act like that. But the truth is it's any person who has a wrong view of money in their life. And it doesn't take a lot of money to have a distorted view of life. A little bit in the wrong place will distort your view. Let me say again, a little bit in the wrong place will distort your view. So let me give you an example. Here's two pennies. Uh, this is probably the, the, the least value of any coin and any amount. I mean, two cents. I don't know how you get any lower than that. It's not worth a lot. Most people wouldn't even pick it up. Would anybody pick up a penny if you saw it? What's that old adage? A penny found is a penny saved or earned or was yeah, something like that. See, I, that was way before my time, way before my time. So it's not a lot, doesn't have a lot of value, right? So, but when it's put in the wrong place, it distorts my view. And so God's preaching. So, so you come to church, you're like, pastor, I ain't a miser. Why? Because no, no, you know, I ain't even got that much. Yeah, but what happens is that person didn't start off that way. Somewhere in their life, something happened that distorted their view and they got a little bit in the wrong place. So now they have lived life like that. You come into church and pastor's preaching about generosity and all you can see is a distorted view of God's word. All they want is your money. All he cares about is that building. All they want is more with their two little pennies. So what do you have to do? You've got to get that little bit in the right place. It's supposed to be in my hands, not in my eyes. Why? The open hands. God, whatever. You, God, God. So, so it, and it could be a lot. 
But how many have got the distorted view? It's, it's in the wrong place. And so everything you see and hear now is through this filter of money. And God's like, life is greater than money. It's not about what you got in your hands. That God is the greatest treasure we could ever ask for. And the moment you realize what a great treasure he is, you allow the rest of the treasures to go to the side. I'm going to hold it loosely. Don't really care. Misery, misery. That's why... Jesus would say what he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You've heard that saying so many times and you say, oh, that's just a pastor or some person up there just trying. No, no, that's Jesus himself saying, look, there's two options. You could be generous or you could be miserable. Which would you like? Some of you are chasing happiness with more stuff. And he's like, happiness doesn't come with more stuff. Happiness comes when you give what you have away. That's how you're blessed. That's where happiness comes from. I got to keep wealth and money, stuff in the right position. Don't let it distort my view of God and what he's really doing. Remember the devil, he's trying to just distort everything God says, everything God wants you to do. Why? Because he wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. That is his mission. He is going to hell and he wants every one of us to go there as well. And if we don't go to hell, he wants us to live like hell on earth. But the flip side of that verse, but God has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. Well, how do you have it? You got to have the right view. You got to live according to God's principles, according to God's word. I'm going to leave us with this passage, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. And this is Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor, got a great congregation and a church, and he's raising them up. And so Paul's going to teach him, Paul's going to coach him, and we're going to get the view the conversation that Paul's going to tell Timothy about the church that he's building. And he says, Timothy, listen, I want you to command them to do good. Not suggest, not maybe. Remember, they're Christ followers. Christ followers, we do what God has spoken to us to do. It's not about our feelings. It's not about whether we like it or not. It's about God, what are you asking us to do? And Paul is saying, command them. To do what? To do good. To be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. Yeah, that's awesome, Pastor. That's great. So, so what, 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 is, what does that mean? That means everything we are. Everything we say, everything we do, there ought to be this reflection of the heart. See how good God is that he loved us so much. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, to die on that cross so that we might be saved. It's the heart of a generous father being reflected through the heart of a generous son. And look, it comes with benefits. I love that about God. You know, when you think of Pastor Kevin coming up here, was so cool. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot. Is that he was having fun spending my money. He got joy out of it. Because he knew whose money it really was. But this is how cool God is. He says, I'm going to give you money. I'm going to give you resources. 
All I'm asking you, you didn't even have to earn it or deserve it. All I'm asking you to do is to be a good steward of what I've given you. And when you spend my money the way I'm asking you to spend it, there are rewards. How cool is God? Like, wouldn't you think that I got to earn my own money and then I'm going to spend my money the way he wants me to spend it? And maybe I'll get a reward. He's like, it's all mine. It's all mine. But I reward the heart of a son or a daughter that gives and is a steward. He said, this way you're going to lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the age to come that they will take life, take hold of life that is truly life. So think about that. I'm going to give it to you. All I'm asking you to do is listen to the Holy Spirit. When he speaks, just just do what he says. And then I'm going to give you treasures in eternity. That's eternal. And I'm going to give you life that's real life. That's now. Some of you have said, I don't feel alive. Go give. I I know we're coming into Christmas. I know Black Friday is coming. What you going to buy that you ain't already got? But we're going to go stand in line until 2 a.m. The next day we're going to go camp out for something more to hang on the wall, to put in a drawer, to put in my pocket. Or we could go somewhere and do something and go buy presents for a family and invest in the kingdom. And, and he's like, listen, that's how you have life. Some of you felt dead because you ain't given nothing in a, while, in a while. It's all been about you. Listen, I'm talking about that with our kids. It's so easy. And then it's not just y'all, we fight it too. Why? Because we live in an I generation. Me, me, it's all. No, no, let's go outward. I want to challenge you. We actually have acts of kindness cards. I didn't, I didn't grab one. I think Pastor Ashley did. We're not going to pass them out right now, but I want to challenge you. You know, I talked about the legacy offering, and that's coming second week. If you've been around, you know. Um, I'll talk a little bit more over the next couple of weeks. We tell you so long in advance just because we just believe we, we prepare. I don't like to spring offerings. And, but I want to challenge you beyond that. It's always great to give in the church, and, but can we be generous everywhere we go? Like what if we brought cookies to our neighbor, brownies? What if you bought someone groceries in the grocery line? The other day I was over at Kroger's, and again, I'm not trying to impress you, but they were, they were just fumbling with stuff, and God's blessed Phyllis and I, and anytime I see that, they had like coupons, and the coupons weren't working, and Man, my heart goes out because I remember when I was broke. I can't even say God told me. (laughs) Sometimes I do it anyway. I'm like, man, just put it all in mind. She weeping. It was 60 bucks. You think I just bought her a brand new car? Oh, thank you. I did. Don't even. Hey, God loves you. We love you. God bless you. When's the last time we've done that? You don't have to be an adult teenager. When's the last time you've done something for someone regardless of your age? And I wonder if we could just foster this Christmas spirit the way it was really supposed to be, like Christ-like, like generous giving. But here's what I want to challenge us to. Try to always tether them back to the house of God. 
So we have these active kindness cards. People say, oh, that's you, you just promoting. Well, it's not really promotion, but again, you have a view and I have a view. I just know this, that whenever I touch someone's life, they want to know where they can feel more of the love that they've experienced. We want to tether them back to a place where they can come and experience the love. Not about a marketing tool. Have you ever had someone do something for you? They're gone, they're like, man, we're, how, how do I... So that's what those acts of kindness cards, when you walk out, grab them and bless people and just love on their hearts. And if they go somewhere, go somewhere else. Don't ever try to pull someone from another church. My God, let them stay in church. Let's go after the lost. Let's go after those that are destitute and don't know God. Let's go seek and save that which Jesus has already paid for. But we're never going to do it trying to get them in a building. We've got to go into their world, love on them and express the love of God to them and God has blessed me with more than I need so I can make an eternal difference in the life of others. Let me, can we just stand up? I'm going to pray for us. I had a quote. It's Martin Luther. I don't think they have it on the screen, but I thought I love Martin Luther. And listen to how great this quote was. He said, I have held many things in my hand and I've lost them all. But whatever I have placed in the hands of God, I still possess. I just thought, man, some of us, we're going to have this response time. You know what we need to do? We just, stuff's had you. I'm going to say, God, I give it back to you. I, I've been there. I, hey, man, it's a regular, on the regular. I mean, you know, and the more blessed you are, it's like it starts to creep into your life and how many have ever looked at your bank account? You're like, man, I'm feeling pretty good. And then a pandemic happens and you realize nothing makes me secure but Jesus. So some of us right here in this moment, we just, this is a response time. God, I need to, I need to repent. Security has come from things and not the one who made things. Some of you, you've had a little bit or a lot, but it's been positioned in the wrong place. We just got to say, God, I repeat, I've learned that the key is not having to be perfect, but just to be quick to repent. My mom taught me this, you know, when God illuminates your heart, shame and condemnation says, you're not good enough, but conviction and grace says, hey, you see it, now just turn. See, that's grace. Grace is God's will and God's desire. It's his power. And it's all infused in us. But you can feel guilt and shame even when God's not giving you guilt and shame. That's from the enemy. So you just say, God, I just, I repent. I need your grace, your power, your desire. And I'm going to go this way. And when I get it wrong, because we all get it wrong at times, you just say, God, I'm, I, I apologize. And I'm going to come back this way. And here's what I've learned. Whenever that starts to get on me, I look for ways to say, especially greed or selfish. God, how do, I got to give this. I got to... How can I bless it? Just puts it all back on the fact that it's all about God's and it's His. Some of you, you just, you just got to repent. God, and then here's what I would ask all of us. Just God, would you speak to me? Holy Spirit, speak to me. And, and here's my litmus test. And we're going to sing this song in response. You guys come get ready. Here, here's, here's the litmus test. If the devil wouldn't tell you to do it, it's probably God. Think about it. So, so, come on, how many know the devil's not going to say go buy those groceries? How many know he's not going to say go give that new purse that you love so much? How many, my wife did that. Someone blessed her with a purse. 
She would never tell you the story. She, she, you went and bought that purse. She went and saved up. She had this beautiful purse. And she said, sure enough, as soon as she got it, she was standing in line and she's like, oh no, oh no, that's devil, I rebuke you. Because she felt the Spirit of God say, give it to the lady. Wasn't it the lady checking you out? So she said, oh, she said it was hard. I don't want to. How many say, I don't want to. Take my old purse, Lord. We give it as a tribute. She no sooner gave that away without nobody saying anything. She went somewhere and another lady came and gave her a purse worth way more than the purse she had just given away. It was as if God was just saying it's a test. And he blessed everybody through the process. And I'm telling you, somebody in here, you're holding on to something that God is trying to get out of your hands because he's got something better in store for you. If only we knew the heart of our dad.